about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. The famous jeweled shillelagh resides and will stay in South Bend, Indiana. Notre Dame defeats their hated rival, the USC Trojans. 31-16, they, they missed an extra point. All I know is, had Notre Dame not taken a knee on the two-yard line, both myself and Lou Holtz had the game the same way. We both picked it 38-17. So I, I feel like Kelly took that one personally, but it doesn't matter. We beat the living hell out of them. Welcome to Forestman Podcast. There's nothing to put you in a better mood than beating a rival. I'm joined by Steve, and we're going to get into this podcast, but first a little uh, a word from our sponsor. Yeah, uh, and and as usual, we are brought to you today by Dwindle. Um, your guys, job markets lighten up. Now is the time for you to not only you know cash in on on you know jumping up your income, but get a job that's going to work for you. There's nothing worse than paying four, five, six hundred dollars a month to student loans and doing that over the course of 20, 30 years. Let's let's be smart about this. Let's go out and find a job that's going to help you pay down your stuff. That way you can afford a house, a car, a vacation, maybe a trip to South Bend. Who knows? I don't know. But it's going to come down to Dwindle helping you out. And the way that they can is, you know, Dwindle is the first job board aimed at looking to uh, to help solve the student loan debt crisis. Job seekers can sign up today for free. They can get a free resume critique. And then you can start applying for jobs that provide student loan repayment benefits. If you don't have student loans yet, but you are looking for an affordable education, Dwindle can also help connect you with jobs that provide tuition assistance and tuition reimbursement. So go and check them out today at dwindlestudentdebt.com. That's dwindle, D-W-I-N-D-L-E, studentdebt.com. Let them know the Four Horsemen sent you. Dylan, how was your Saturday experience? Because mine was less than stellar, buddy. I was... Pretty drunk by the end of the night, I'll tell you. I was drinking some some Trojan blood, which I don't know if One Foot Down invented that, but if it is, it's the only good thing to come from One Foot Down. Um, actually, that's not true. There are there are some writers there we like. Of course, NDFB Analytics do stuff there. I think Greg Flamong has some kind of partnership with them. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, but I was drinking that all day, and in Canada, we, we struggle to find red drinks, apparently. Like, Mountain Dew Code Red just doesn't really exist. So, like, I had to do it with Gatorade or, like, uh, at one point there was, like, a pink drink. So I was I was pretty ginned up all night. Look, it, it was a fantastic win. It was a fantastic win. Um, I checked the, the post-game expectancy uh, victory rate. Uh, our friend CFB numbers on Twitter, um, Jason, uh, Notre Dame on his numbers was, like, 77% chance in post-expectancy. Now, Bill Connolly of SP Plus actually had it for USC, but that's because his model is significantly less good than uh, EPA-driven. <laughs> so Notre Dame basically, even though they were probably outgained, um, controlled the game, I felt, entirely. It should have been a bigger blowout. Um, I'm not going to criticize Kelly for putting the foot off the gas other than that last possession. Like, I, I would have liked for him to punch it in. But I thought Notre Dame had played pretty well throughout. There was only a brief moment in the game where USC kind of made it interesting. Um, Freeman's defense played uh, bend, don't break. And I think that was smart because USC is so potent that we were okay giving them um, soft yards in exchange for them never finding the end zone until pretty late in the game. So I like that approach from Freeman. Um, I thought when we rushed, we were hellacious. Um, the D-line is phenomenally good. Um, I thought this was Cone's best game since um, the drive, of course, against Virginia Tech, but best full game since Florida State. Um, the offensive line has performed even better like we thought it did. It's something you and I both predicted. Just, uh, it was a great day. It was a great day. It was a great uh, victory for Notre Dame. There's still areas of improvement, um, but I'm I'm thrilled with it. I thought it was, it, I couldn't have scripted a better Saturday for, for a Notre Dame fan. Well, it was... I enjoyed watching the game itself. Uh, my issue is I just spent the last week in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. Um, Thursday night, I had a wedding there, which was the, uh, the 
primary reason for the trip. And I had a flight Friday in the morning. Um, I think Friday morning I had to leave my hotel around 11 to make it on time. So, you know, had to be basically up and at about 9.30, give or take. Uh, I had drank roughly 15 shots of tequila um, the night before. And that's not including beers, mixed drinks, the whole nine. That's just straight up shots from this total sociopath that was hell bent on putting me into the grave. He almost succeeded. Uh, there is a video that has so far only been kept in house uh, of the horseman. It's of me 97% dead laying on the ground of the, uh, of a, what was it? Uh, the bathroom floor with just the shower heads pouring water on me, tr- attempting to bring me back to life. If we get enough people to tweet at me specifically saying, Steve, show the video. I have a number in my head. If enough people tweet at me, we will release that. So that's one thing worth noting. Hashtag engagement right there. Uh, so I was still, now I didn't get home, uh, you know, JFK connector. That was an absolute fucking disaster. Sorry for the language, but it was buffoonery. I hate New York. I hate JFK airport. Uh, it was terrible. Didn't get home until one o'clock. And then I, that was, you know, Friday night slash Saturday mornings. I spent all Saturday day recovering. And then finally at long last watched the game still about 75% dead. As for the game itself, it was wonderful. Tommy Reese, your play calling was fantastic. Defense, great. Drake London, no fucking joke. Um, but the offensive line looked very, very good. I think Cone only took one sack. Uh, it, it wasn't the world's greatest sack to take, but it, at the end of the day, you look at the result. I think this was very impressively coached and executed all the way around. Jack Cone's a good quarterback. This is a good football team. I'm all over the map, buddy. Take the reins. Yeah, it's, there's. what is there to say, right? I mean, you have a cold night. It was, uh, it was supposed to be around 40 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, which in Canadian terms, I did the math, is about like 7, 8 degrees Celsius. So that's pretty chilly. It was actually colder um, in South Bend than it was here in Montreal that night. Uh, so, And it was pretty cold. So um, great night. Crisp. Um, under the lights, we had over 100 recruits at the football game, which is what I was begging for after the Cincinnati game, right? If you guys recall, I was saying, listen, you got to put all your top prospects in the SC game. And look, I get you got to have kids come for Cincinnati too. It's a big game. But like, I want AJ Harris. I want Dante Moore. I want Lorenzo Styles at that, not Lorenzo Styles, sorry, his younger brother, Alex, Sonny Styles. I want them at the USC game because that is the peak experience you're going to get as a Notre Dame fan. It is USC at home at night. It is Michigan at home at night. It is a top-ranked team at home at night like Clemson. All of the lights. It was, that was great, too. I mean, props to Notre Dame. Uh, I, I, we're not going to find out what kind of impact this has had on recruiting for a while, but I am willing to bet that we, we moved the needle with people. Um, people were supposed to get, and I think a certain Iowa-leaning safety perhaps might have things to reconsider. I have no sources. Do not cite us at all. That's just a feeling. Um, Notre Dame beat USC pretty handedly. Every position group showed out, um, which is great for the recruits. Um, it's just like, yeah, we should have put another seven on them at least. I mean, we missed a field goal. Um, we missed one field goal. We we settled for a field goal inside the red zone. Like this could have been a much bigger game. But it was well executed. Credit to Coach Kelly. We looked really good coming out of the bye. It looked like the offensive line. He made the improvements we needed them to. Um, The wide receivers, we're going to talk about in a second, but mad props to Lorenzo Styles, um, the freshman who just balled out. Uh, And credit to Coach Kelly and Coach Rees for getting him in the ballgame. And Coach Kelly had said, you know, it's not a... I think it was Coach Kelly who said, it's not a, you're the backup. It's more of a, you know, you, you're you integrated. You're part of this group now, and it's it's about working you into the game. Uh, so I thought we just saw glimpses of brilliance from all over the place, which gives me a lot of hope of a potential playoff game. Not that I'm saying we're going to get there, um, but I feel much more confident after watching that than I did the first half of the season. So if we can build upon this, um, I would I would feel comfortable with us in a playoff game. Uh, what about you there? Cause I know, I know that's a contentious issue among Notre Dame fans right now. Uh, yeah. And, and 
it's looking i don't know man so here here's my thoughts on it okay when it comes to the playoffs i only want notre dame to be in the playoffs this year if we be are the number three seed yeah i want to avoid georgia with all my life if we're going to be the number four seed and playing georgia i'm all set (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I should have more confidence in the team. I know I'm trying to, you know, change myself around and become Mr. Positivity, and I will spin the shit out of this Notre Dame team all day long. I don't want anything to do with Georgia. If we make it to, the, if we become the number three seed, we rematch Cincinnati, we beat them, we go to the national championship game, and then you know maybe let's say we lose by you know 14, 17 to Georgia. Okay, you know, whatever. You know that that it, I would take that. I'll take that because at least at that point you have a playoff win under your belt, and that's a that's a major bowl game, right? Yep. But if, if we're just gonna do what we've been doing, I would. My personal feelings, I would much rather you know be the number five seed, have a New Year's Six bowl game. There's nobody outside of Georgia and Bama. I think Ohio State is starting to heat up, um, but they're still kind of not who they typically are. Those are really the only three teams in the nation, I think, flat out beat Notre Dame. And I still have my doubts about OSU. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would that's that's where I'm standing. There is sort of a path and, and I can get into that here in a minute. But, you know, Dylan, first, obviously wanted to hear your thoughts, all things playoffs, especially since this is kind of your your bread and butter. Well, it, I agree with you. If, I, if I'm if i in the playoff, I want Cincinnati. I think we beat Cincinnati on a neutral field again. We played our worst game, and that was a four-quarter game. Um, I would take us in a rematch. And I think the only way for that to happen is for Georgia maybe to stumble along the way, and Cincinnati gets the one seed. But we're talk, we don't even know if the committee would put a group of five team in the playoff, let alone as the one seed. So that looks unlikely. The other opportunity would be so let's say it's so let's say it's, uh, it's Georgia, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Whoever that fourth team is, assuming it's a conference champion, well, that's the thing. You would want it to not be a conference champion. So let's say like Oklahoma goes eleven and one, having lost the Big Twelve title game to a three-loss Texas or something. That might actually put Notre Dame ahead of Oklahoma uh, because there would then be no championship game to put over Notre Dame. But even then, that seems like a stretch. Like, it seems I find it hard to find a way to get into the playoff without running into Georgia, unless Alabama beats Georgia, and then you got Georgia and Alabama, but the odds they'd put them in a rematch right away is pretty low, too. So it's it's a tough one. I, I, I know you were doing some work on this, so I want to hear your thoughts on the path in and, and how we get into a, a favorable matchup. Yeah, and and this is basically, uh, it's, it's not, the, okay. I'm just ripping. I'm ripping through. So these are the only teams that I think are going to flirt at at this juncture. With, I guess Iowa is one the final team that can kind of potentially be a little bit screwy in this equation. So I, I haven't factored them in, them in quite yet. They're the only team left off. So I have Georgia, assuming undefeated, thirteen and zero. Cincinnati, assuming th- undefeated, thirteen and zero. Let's say Notre Dame goes 11 and one. And let's say, I mean, at this point we have, we've already been through the teeth of our schedule. Everything is going to be in theory, a little bit easier here on out. And and then let's just say things start clicking. Cone plays like he did the first game against Florida state. Kyren continues and the offensive line continue to have games like they did against USC and our defense. We know what we're getting from them and we just ball out and we just, you know, we get back to that Notre Dame friggin jaggernaut that that we've been building up to for for quite some time and and look playoff caliber okay so if we're at 11 and 1 and and under those pretenses it's gonna it it is going to be an absolute disaster trying to figure out that number four seed because and and i think it might be oregon just because oregon does not play a ranked team the rest of the way they have colorado washington washington state utah Oregon State, and then they would have to play their championship game, which, as it stands I count, now, I count two more losses on that schedule. I know that sounds <laughs> crazy. Awesome. I don't think they beat Utah, and I think SC beats them in the title game if SC is the one who makes it. Uh, I think SC is most likely out. I mean, so right now in the uh, the Pac-12 South, 
at number one seed is uh, is Utah, then it's Arizona State, then UCLA. I think Utah will probably be the uh, you know represent the South. So the you know Oregon will have to play Utah twice. Now it's entirely feasible that they lose one you know one of these games, and and everything I'm saying is is completely off the table. But if they win out, they don't play a ranked team the rest of the year, and they would play Utah in the in the championship game. So a 12 and one Oregon is. I would say there's about a 65 to 70% chance right now. That's my educated guess. Then you have Ohio State. Ohio State has to play Penn State this week who they should be beating. I don't uh, I'm pretty sure Penn State at 5 and 2 at this point they're the number 20 team in the nation. They have Especially lost at home, right? They're at, they're at Ohio Stadium. They're, at, they're not they're, yeah, they're in Columbus and you know Penn State has some QB issues. I think there's still lingering issue uh, is, injuries there. Then they have Michigan State, the number eight uh, team. Then they have Michigan, the number six team. And then they would have to play in the Big Ten championship game, assuming that they win all of those. And that's going to be against Iowa, who is currently the number nine team. I got I got a proposition for you, Steve. We're trying that's- to get creative in this segment. And we want to talk about how Notre Dame gets into a Cincinnati matchup. I see a path, and 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 this is unlikely. However... You guys have to remember, conferences are whack. They suck for a reason. And the way you get into a conference championship game is to have a better conference record than your opponents. You take a look at the Big Ten uh, West right now. Wisconsin could win that division. And the way the Big Ten works, the winner of the East plays the winner of the West. Theoretically, Wisconsin could be the Big Ten champion with three losses. Four losses. It doesn't actually matter. As long as they're beating other Big Ten teams and end up coming out of the West, and they're playing Iowa this week. If Wisconsin beats Iowa, you know, they are in a horse race for that Big East title. Um, or sorry, the Big Ten West title. And they will play, if they win the Big Ten West, the winner of that Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State uh, trifecta. Mm-hmm. There is a chance Notre Dame's win over Wisconsin ends up being... Big. A very it, quality it, win, yeah. We, we could have the win over the Big 12 champion, which or Big 10 champion, which in the, kind of, to me, means the Big Ten cha- no Big 10 team can get in ahead of Notre Dame. Because if you've got the win over Wisconsin pretty concisely, I don't know how another team sneaks in there uh, over you. So that's, you know, you want to talk about, you know, you know, finding a way in and maybe getting a favorable matchup. Wisconsin can still do a lot of damage for Notre Dame. Correct. They they certainly could. And and that would make our season if that team that we just blew the doors off of, if, if they make a resurgence, I, I mean, we should all be cheering for the Wisconsin Badgers week in and week out every single week for the rest of the season. We all want them to go undefeated the rest of the season if you are a Notre Dame fan. Um, now, after Ohio State, who has, you know, those those four games that I mentioned left. Then we have Bama, who's currently with one loss. They have to play the Iron Bowl as the only ranked game on the schedule they have left. And then they have to play in the SEC championship game, presumably against uh, Georgia. Next up, you have OU, which is undefeated at 8-0. They haven't had a convincing win. And Caleb Williams has, you know, taken over at QB and they've looked much better since. But like they have struggled and almost lost a lot of games and they still have left on the schedule. OU does. Number 16, Baylor. Number 22, Iowa State. Number 15, Oklahoma State. And then they have to play in the Big 12 championship game. Or is the do the, does the Big 12 have a championship game anymore? Yes, they do. They, they added one um, the year Notre Dame lost to Stanford. Um that was the year they added it. So um, that's 2015. So yeah, they've oh. had one for a few years now. Yep. And then you have Michigan and then Michigan State kind of rounding out the, these the, the teams that I've been talking about. So you have Michigan, who is currently undefeated, and they're 7-0. and They have to play Michigan State number 8. They have to play Penn State number 20. They have to play uh, num- number 5, Ohio State, which we know they just flat out cannot beat. And then you have Michigan. Uh, I'm sorry, you have Michigan State, who has to play Michigan, uh, number six. They have to play Ohio State, number five, and then Penn State, number 20. Penn State, obviously, they're going to get steamrolled by each of these teams. I don't foresee them winning. But we know for a fact that Michigan or Michigan State, at the very minimum, has to have at least one loss because they play each other. 
Now both of them have to play Ohio State. If both of them win, then like that creates a whole bunch of chaos in that regard. If Ohio State beats both of them, that's kind of the more likely scenario. Then you know Ohio State is going to be eleven and one heading into the SEC, uh, the Big Twelve championship game against Iowa or potentially Wisconsin, right? So like, there's so much cannibalization here that there is a there's not only a way for Notre Dame to make the playoff, there is a potential for a number three seed at eleven and one, and that's what's kind of like. I don't know where where to go with this. I, I like I said, I I only want that three seed because there's just so much moving this year. It's a bananas year in college football. I don't know, man. What what are your what are you seeing on your end? On mute. Mute. <laughs> well, that's funny. Yeah, no, that's okay. We'll just we'll just keep rolling with it, you know. Right. You know, this is this is the age of of Zoom and Skype calls where where everybody speaks muted. Yeah. Um, you know, just giving the audience a little inside look at how this show is run, which is super <laughs> professionally. Um, look, I think he's hit the nail on the head. It, we need chaos. We need chaos to get in, but it's not an insurmountable amount of chaos. It's not like we need every team in the top ten to lose. Um, that's not the case. A lot of them play each other anyway. Um, I, th- I think the simplest way is Georgia beats Bama, um, Cincinnati wins out, and then you have either a two-loss Big 12 champ, a two-loss Big 10 champ, and or a bit two-loss Pac-12 champ. You need two of those three. Um, and I think that I think Oregon is going to lose again. So I think that's a, I think that's coming no problem. I think the big question is: Is it more likely that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State find a way to lose twice? Or is it more likely that the Big Ten cannibalizes itself into a two-loss champion? Or everybody has two loss plus a champion with four losses. I don't know. I don't know. I'd still say it's unlikely, but it's possible. What we don't know is how the committee is going to value the Notre Dame loss. Now, people will say committee doesn't value loss. I disagree. They've done that with Notre Dame before. I think Georgia 2017 was the perfect example. Notre Dame hadn't really played anybody. Um, They had played a decent USC team, and that was about it. and, and they put Notre Dame in the top three. If they view Cincinnati well, and Cincinnati gets ranked in the top four instead of being ranked 12th because of their, you know, because we see that with group of five teams go undefeated and get ranked in the tens. If, since he's actually ranked high, they could put Notre Dame pretty close to the top four already. And in that case, we would just need to, you know, kind of outplay the teams that were ranked near us. But looking at it from our perspective, I, I think Notre Dame is the outside looking in. Um... And you, you you need Ohio State to get upset again. That's the big one, is can Ohio State lose again? Um, and I would say that's actually probably the definitive factor. The biggest threat to Notre Dame in the playoff right now is Ohio State, because I have no doubt Ohio State will probably take care of Michigan. Um, and then we're just looking at where does Michigan drop another game? Probably either this week or to Penn State. Um, and then Michigan State, I don't think, is going to stay stay undefeated. So... That that's how I view it. Um, do you uh, what like how are you feeling about this? Uh, do you think maybe we should just be focusing on maybe what the New Year's Six bowl game is Notre Dame runs into? Because I would love to play a lesser team in a Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is entirely conceivable that we would play Oregon, uh, OU, or you know whoever wins between Michigan and Michigan State in one of those games or potentially, you know, kind of an Iowa again, cause they're kind of, you know, in the mix and whatnot. So there's all of those moving parts where I would rather play a game against one of them. I think we're going to be much more competitive and, and have a, a very much so a higher possibility at a, a big victory, get the new year six bowl game off your back, get the big game, th- you know, off your back. Because at this point, I'm sorry to say this, but the, 2020 Clemson win does not look nearly as good. And there's a lot of factors behind that. Like they did lose a lot of talent, but come on. Like it's, you know, uh, eesh. so there's nothing you could say that would sour that win for me. No, that's, that's true. It, I mean, it was one of the, ever witnessed. absolutely. It was one of the, arguably one of the greatest nights of my entire life. Um, it's arguably one of the greatest games ever played. Like that went like double or triple overtime yeah. between number one and number like, I don't know. We were at the time who was like five or four or something upset alert. 
delayed Saturday Night Live. Like, it had everything. It had every chaotic aspect you could imagine in a football game. <laughs> uh, I mean, we lost the feed for the inauguration at one point or not even the inauguration sorry it was the it was the victory speech for for one of the for the president like we were in the middle of the football game cutting away to you know the president doing his victory speech and then we had to go to another NBC channel and then come back like you can't script a crazier football game from top to bottom than Notre Dame Clemson 2020 yeah i mean it was great it, it was incredible but i'm i'm just you know pissed that Clemson is looking so bad this year with DJ at the helm, but we're not going to go down that path. We're focusing on the, on the postseason at this point, at least in this juncture. So, I mean, and, and worth noting that after this weekend, next Tuesday, which is going to be November 2nd, that is when the first CFP rankings come out. So this weekend has huge implications and we are going to get to the games in a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if given the, the dichotomy between, a number four seed against Georgia and uh, a number five seed or, or, or worse in a new year six bowl game against, you know, one of these other teams that have clearly struggled along the way. Um, I'm taking the latter rather than the former. Um, yeah. I mean, so it, it's up to you where, you know, you pick the adventure where you want to go from here. We did kind of breeze past the, uh, the Notre Dame USC recap a little bit. We do have to get to our four horsemen, uh, we can rewind back in time for a couple of minutes, or we can go forward in time to the uh, the picks. Your choice. Let's uh, let's relive the greatness of Saturday night. Um, you and I, I think, largely agree here on the four our four horsemen. So, do you do you want to take the first uh, the first crack at it? Yeah, for sure. I'll uh, I'll just rip through, get some stats up here. So uh, we are obviously going with Kyron Williams. He had an unbelievable game: twenty five carries, one hundred thirty eight yards, average five and a half. Felt good to see, you know, us averaging over three yards per carry for once, which was nice. And uh, I knew it was coming. I bet on the over for Kyron's props. I got him at 79 and a half oh. yards. And I'm oh. like, you know what? He hasn't probably reached that number at all this season. But SC is so bad on run defense. I, 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 I was confident in that money. 100%. Absolutely. And not only did he add two touchdowns on the ground, he also added six catches for 42 yards as well. Uh, one of them was that like spin move. I think it was like third and long. Uh, Cone found him and whoop, just you know, squeaks out into open space. He is impossible to bring down an open space, man. Like He's going to be a running back who's even better in the NFL. Oh yeah, if he has if he has a good O line. I mean, that's the unfortunately the the the, the fate of every yeah, running back that goes to the NFL. Fucking New England Patriots, and he's probably gonna win like three more f- Super Bowls. Brady's and I'm gone. Gonna... Brady's gone. Your PTSD can relax a bit. He's oh, gone. I can't because now <laughs> Mac. Like it just won't end. This this team has been. Do you have any idea what it's like growing up as a Steelers fan in the heart of New England? I grew up 30 minutes away from Foxborough. I can't stand it anymore. I want like. Okay, I'm not going to get into a suicidal session. We're, we're, there we go. Okay. All right, good. On to the next person. <laughs> On to the next horseman. It is Tyler, but no, I'm just screwing with you. It is Jack Cohn. Uh, of course, Jack played great. And, um, you know, we, we everyone has to start supporting our guy. He is the guy going forward. He does give us the best chance to win when the, the offensive line is protecting him. And when, when you saw it right there. Right. When he had time to throw the ball, he was fantastic. And I thought this was one of his better performances. Absolutely. And not only that, but, you know, again, uh, circling back to the very beginning, huge shout out to Tommy Reese. Um, It's almost as if he read the, the, you know, the tweets from NDFB analytics and said, "Okay, we got to get snap to pass. This ball has to be out in two and a half seconds or less. All majority of our passes were short. I mean, he only averaged six point eight yards per attempt. I'll take that though. He had, you know, he's 20 for 28. He was very accurate. That one interception was a contested ball. And you, you know, we can go back and forth, you know, catch interception, this, that, the other, was it ruled correctly? It is what it is. Um, he played efficiently. He played smart. He didn't make any dumb throws at all. And he, he went out and was the leader of this team. He put the defense on their heels and he allowed for Kyren and the running game to really come in and just do their thing. So Jack is awesome. Everyone's, we need to start supporting him more. Here, here's the thing I want to say about Jack, right? We were saying throughout the year that in the pocket, he is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. And I just want to give you an example. So, again, we talk about QBR, quarterback rating, based on EPA. Uh, Jack's in the 60s. Um, that's that's okay. Like, I mean, 60th ranked 
Uh, he's also in the 60s um, as his score. He He's having a good season, a solid season. But when you account for just the passing EPA and you take out the sacks aspect of it, he jumps up to 36th in the country. You know, as a pure passer, he is better than what we've been seeing as a whole, which goes to what we've been saying, that the a combination of him and the offensive line um, have have really made it hard for him this year. And when he gets out of his own way and when the offensive line holds, Jack Cohn is a very good passer. And I think that's what people need to trust a little more, especially as the offensive line gets better. Um, that doesn't mean there isn't an argument for Pine. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't mix in Buckner. I think we're actually way more dangerous with Buckner in the end zone. Uh, but that's that's just my take on Cone as of week eight now or whatever we're in. And we'll have another take next week because that seems to be Notre Dame's storyline this year. Correct. And and I think that we – Jack Cone is closer to Florida State Jack Cone than he is – name any of the – Cincinnati, right? Yeah, Cincinnati. I, I think if, if – all things considered, if he's playing his best game and the offensive line is protecting him, he's closer to Florida State than he is Cincy. We're going to keep moving through the segment. We don't need to continue to hash this out. Everyone tweet us your thoughts on Twitter. Love the engagement. Um, Isaiah Foskey, third horseman of the week, five tackles. He had two for loss, also had two sacks. I think one of them was – at least one of them was a strip sack, uh, which Tariq Bracey, I'm pretty sure, uh, recovered. And, and didn't uh, Wasn't the other one like he forced the fumble but Slovis picked it up? Or, or USC recovered it or something like that? Possibly. Um Pardon my yeah. memory, folks. There was a there was a lot of alcohol. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't exactly in in my most uh, fantastic state of mind. Um, uh, Keaton Slovis did have two fumbles, one loss, so it's entirely yeah. probable that you're correct there. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what else is left to say about Isaiah Foskey? If he decides to stay, uh, then next year he's probably going to be an All American. If he decides to go to the draft, I think he's probably a third round, second round pick, and or potentially even better. Like he is that guy. So love Isaiah Foskey. Uh, and then Bo Bauer, uh, you know he he not only did he obviously have the seventy nine yard interception return. Um, which I was kind of hoping that he would be, you know, calling on Keaton Slovis like uh, like Leonard Fournette did in that playoff game against the Steelers. Remember a couple of years ago, he got to bounce to the outside and was like, come on, like waves the defender on. And then that he took him on. I would have loved to see him absolutely destroy Keaton Slovis. It is what it is. He uh, that that play did lead to uh, directly to three points, um, you know, and we were in our own red zone. So red zone to red zone in- interception was fantastic. And then obviously uh, he also added seven tackles, one for a loss and a pass deflection on the day as well. So, so Bo Bauer as a, a third down guy uh, on this team is really kind of embracing in ro- his role and, and he should be absolutely applauded for that. Speaking of roles, um, is there anyone that you wanted to throw an honorable mention with? I mean, it's got to be Lorenzo Styles for me. Like, what a game. Uh, to see him in space, that kid can can move for a decently sized receiver. Um, I think as he develops and A, confidence as it is with most, you know, young athletes, B, route running, refining, um, and C, a better chemistry with whichever future quarterback he plays with, he is going to be very hard to defend. And... Dion Colsey on the other side looks really good too. Yeah, and he's like six four. He's a big body guy. We're talking the Notre Dame receiving core next year theoretically could be Austin Styles, uh, even Lindsay. It could come back again, and you could have Colsey in a more um, defined role. But the point is, is that Tyler Buckner is going to grow up with Styles and Colsey as two outside guys, which I don't think we've had as good as a dynamic duo going forward since Claypool and Boykin and that was Claypool's junior season so he wasn't at I was about to Claypool. say both of them were were pretty you know late into their careers by the time they started exactly. so we're talking the next three years of Styles and Colsey man by the time we're in their last year that's going to be a very tough wide receiver group to stop and and that gives me a lot of excitement so that's my honorable mention as Styles really balled out um, and hopefully he's balling out with his brother in the near future. Very much so hope for that. Um, if, recruiting, by the way, like there's a lot going on. And, and uh, apparently the, Tommy Reese did make uh, 
sorry, Coach Tom Reese did make a, <laughs> an incredible impression on a five-star commit to LSU, Walker Howard. Howard Walker? It's it's a, one of those Walk, southern names. Walker Howard. Walker Howard. Seventh, I think. The seventh. I'm joking. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was Jesus. I, uh, I don't I don't have hope that's gonna work. Uh, like I, like I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but like I have no expectation we're gonna flip him um, unless they botch the hiring of somebody. Like to me, if they go and hire a competent coach, let's just say Luke Fickle, because um, I think he's just a competent coach that can go to LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they keep Howard. If they go and make a stupid hire, like oh, I don't know Clay Helton. Uh, then, then maybe not. Uh, he is, look, he's an LSU legacy. His dad played quarterback there. Don't, I, my, just my message to the fans is don't get your hopes up, but it sounds like if he were to flip it, Notre Dame would be the program he goes to. That seems to be like, that's if it's LSU or Notre Dame at this point. That's the stretch guy, right? That's, that's kind of the pie in the sky, very long shot, but more realistically, there was so much talent there. Um, I, I believe Drake Bone was there. You know, Sonny Styles has already been multiple times. Obviously, Lorenzo Styles, his little, bro- uh, his older brother. My apologies. And to my already- knowledge, he was not at this game. He we messed not. that up on the yep. account. That was my fault, guys. I got every other name right, um, but not Styles. He but was that's not fine. there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Drake. But uh, we are legitimately in the running for like six to seven five stars, and and are, are are likely to land at least five for next year, which is preposterous. So that's just a really quick recruiting update. Because um, Keeley is going to be a five star guy, by the way. Like, I, he I, he sacked Arch Manning and picked him off. Yeah, he destroyed Arch Manning, who's the most <laughs> overrated quarterback in America, and that includes like Spencer Rattler, um, unless he signs he, with us. Yeah. Uh, well, he won't. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. There's a new recruiting service. I think it's called like on three or something. They ranked Keeley as like a top five guy in the, in that class. Like he's ahead of Vernon. Like they have him as genuinely one of the best players in the country. So he's going to be a five-star guy. You got Vernon's a five-star guy. Styles is a five-star guy. Bowen's a five-star guy. We know uh, you for got a fact Kate Proctor's a five-star guy. We know Carnell Tate's a borderline five-star guy. Jalen Brown is a five-star guy uh, out of Florida who actually really likes Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a great chance there. A J. Harris is a five-star guy. His dad's a Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame is really in the running there, too. Like, I got a smile on my face thinking about this because never in my lifetime would Notre Dame have been in on more than one five-star guy at a time. Like, that's crazy. To get yeah. any, let alone possibly five, is is nuts. So, sorry, that just, I got excited for a second. No, 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 please, by all means. And, and for what it's worth, this current 2022 class, we have one five-star in, in Jalen Sneed. We have uh, 15 four-stars, uh, six three-stars, an average of 91.88, which is our second highest average per recruit since under the Kelly uh, you know, class since 2013, which was yeah. his number one overall class. That was Isaac Rochelle, Mike McGlinchey, Jalen Smith. Uh, yeah. And they signed two five-stars in that class. So, like, we are – this is – shaping up to pretty much be the, the best ever. And then Whoa. next year is going to be even, even better. better by like the nth degree. And and we said this months ago, like when we did our recruiting recap for the incoming class, the current freshman, we said, this is one of the best classes in the Kelly era. Then we said the next year's class is going to be better. And then we said the year after that is going to be even better, which is crazy for Notre Dame football to be recruiting this well. Um, it's it's an exciting time. You got lots of recruitments coming up, like uh, like decision dates. Um, and I think it's about finishing because Notre Dame is building something really special here. And, and credit to everybody. Um, it's not a perfect operation, but it's 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 running pretty smoothly. Precisely correct. Right on board with you. Um, all right, so we've covered USC and that pathetic program from that pathetic city and that pathetic state. Sorry for anyone who's on the West Coast, but those are my feelings. Uh, <laughs> we've covered the CFP. We've uh, we've gone through our horsemen. Next up on the docket, did you want to get into some games here? Let's do that. Let's do that. I think we're 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 pretty hot this year, actually. I think you and I are both hitting at a pretty decent rate. So yeah, yeah let's get into it. Perfect. Uh, so this is, again, um, th- this has implications for the Big Ten West. Basically, the winner of this game is 
most likely going to the Big Ten championship game uh, against whoever comes out of the East between Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. So first up, we have Iowa, the number nine team in the nation. They are on the road visiting Wisconsin. Wisconsin at home, unranked, are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Is that correct? Uh Yes, I think three, um, but something something like that. They're, yeah, basically, you know, three and a half. You got that right. Three and a half point three and favorite. Half. Okay, so uh, so Dylan, who do you have? The Hawkeyes or the Badgers? Badgers. Yeah, Badgers. I listen. I bad. I have picked every Wisconsin game incorrectly this year. I think every one. I picked them to beat Michigan. I picked them to lose to Purdue. Uh, <laughs> I just can't seem to get a good read on Wisconsin, but. At home, in a Big Ten matchup, in a, in a game I like to say, who's the more Big Ten of these Big Ten teams? You know, it's going to be a 10-7 to 7 game. Uh, I think special teams, home atmosphere, I, th- I think that's a bit of a rivalry game. I'm going to say Wisconsin wins this one. That is bold. Fortune does favor the bold. Uh, I, I just don't see the Hawkeyes losing um, not because I think they're so, so much better. I mean, uh, both defenses in, in this particular instance are elite. It is going to be a, a run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, punt the ball kind of you know matchup, your classic Big Ten. Um, but I just have a little bit more confidence in Iowa, just given what I've seen from Graham Mertz. Uh, I, I, obviously, the quarterback is, in, in this day and age, is pivotal. I don't have any confidence in the kid. Maybe next year, buddy, but I'm going with uh, I'm going with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, next game, we have unranked Texas. They are on the road at Baylor. Baylor is currently 6-1. and one. They are the number 16 team in all of the land. They are three-point favorites. So basically, they're getting a field goal advantage at home from Vegas. What are your thoughts, Longhorns or Bears? Man, I thought the Longhorns were really going to upset Oklahoma State, and they didn't. I think they're going to give Baylor a lot of problems. But I'm going to go Baylor. I think... Texas isn't it. I think they're not as good as we want them to be. And Baylor's a solid program, man. I don't know what, how, where they get these coaches from, but they just get guys coming in and rebuilding that program and and do it so impressively. I'm going to take Baylor. Yeah, Matt Rule really did a fantastic job of getting them into the spot they're in. Um, I, I tend to agree here. As much as I want Texas to win and I want Texas to be relevant, it's just fun when they are, when they're a top 15 team. Uh, it ain't their year. They've, they just on defense are the most porous, just despicable defense I've ever seen in my entire life. They can't close out anything to save their lives. So I'm rolling with the bears as well. I would even take the points here. I think that's uh, that, you know, go, go money line, go points and whatever you want. Baylor's going to win this game outright in my opinion. Uh, and then next up we have. Top 10 matchup, probably the game of the week. Uh, this should be ESPN game day if it's not, in my opinion. It, it probably is, though. It it's is. Mich- yeah. It is. Okay, perfect. It is Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan is 7-0. and uh, Well, both teams are 7-0. and Michigan is ranked number 6. Michigan State is ranked number 8. Uh, Michigan State being at home are dogs. They are 4.5-point underdogs at home. Who do you have? So I, I checked the FPI on this. This is ESPN's predictor. And it has Michigan as a 56% favorite, Michigan State as a 44% underdog. Um, Michigan State has got Kenneth Walker, who has been maybe the Heisman candidate of the year. Uh, transfer to. Um, I don't think either program has really played anyone. I think Michigan State has had a better schedule. They had to play Miami on the road, which we saw coming as a win. They had to play Northwestern, um, but so did Michigan. So I, I, I think neither team is a 7-0 team. I think these are two five and two teams who are playing each other at a very good time, um, which of course is going to lead to everybody overhyping both of them, which is the case. Cause I mean, you're already seeing cases for Michigan to get into the playoff and it's like, honey, they haven't even played a ranked team yet. Let's let, let's <laughs> hold the horses there. Um, home underdogs and a rivalry game at night. What, what kickoff is this, Steve? Uh, give me 10 seconds. It's 12 because it's the Big Ten because the Big Ten is lame and put all their games at noon. Yeah. Okay. Under the lights doesn't apply here. But still, we're going to get a rivalry matchup at home as a home underdog. I am taking the Michigan State Spartans all day, every day, twice on Sunday. I am too. 
points, money line, straight up, the whole nine. Michigan State that is value. Smart. Yep, absolutely. That's a that's a fantastic value game. Whether you want to parlay it into something else, uh, or or just bet it outright, uh, I think Michigan State's going to win this game. Just because, yet again, I have absolutely no confidence in that terrible, disgusting, bigoted, horrific, bullcrap, crappy, shitty, horrific. How many uh, terrible, <laughs> bad, cr- crappy? <laughs> program up north mr thesaurus over here yeah exactly just just you know <laughs> i hate michigan so much and i think you know, we call michigan big 10 pit which is even funnier because Pitt's actually good this year like michigan like they're also having a good run yeah. um you talk about college football is more fun with texas i think college's football is more fun with Pitt. people don't realize this because the Pitts won a lot of titles. Like they claim nine, which is ridiculous, but like they do genuinely have a few. They won some in the seventies. They were pretty good in the early part of the twentieth century. Like Pitt is not a blue bud, but they're a historic program, um, which is what makes the Michigan comparison even funnier. Um, but sorry, I just I had to get my Pitt propaganda in there because I like their colors and I like when we play them because it's always a heart like a, a heart stopping game. No, trust me, you'll uh, you'll always find an, an affinity and a love for me of the city of Pittsburgh. Um, so. Next up, we have Ole Miss on the road at Auburn. Ole Miss is six and one. They are the number ten team in the nation. Auburn is five and two. They are the number eighteen team in the nation. Uh, Auburn looks to be favored by two and a half. So that basically means that Ole Miss is favored in this game. But you know, with the the home field advantage, uh, Vegas is giving the slight edge to Auburn. What are your thoughts, Steve? I don't bet against Matt Corral unless he's playing Alabama. Ole Miss is going to win this football game, and here's why. Matt Corral. They have a dynamic elite offense. Ole Miss is phenomenal this year. I am in love with that program. Auburn is ranked 18th. They have two losses. I don't know how they only have two losses. It feels like they've lost a million games this year. Uh, But it was just to Penn State, and then it was to Arkansas, who, by the way, Ole Miss beat. I know Auburn's at home. I know that's going to be an evening game. I don't care. Matt Corral is the truth. He's my Heisman vote. Uh, Ole Miss by uh, 10. Yeah, no, I'm going to agree with you. I'm sorry that I'm basically going straight chalk with you up to this point. And, you know, you and I are probably going to have all the same picks, so I'm not giving you a chance to uh, to come back. You you took Iowa. I took Wisco. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there we go. So that's where we diverge, but that's probably going to be our only divergence. Uh, I'm also going with Ole Miss, and it's less so going with Matt Corral, although I think he's uber talented. Uh, I Every time you want me to rely on Bo Nix, I will be let down a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen Bo Nix play a good game. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. it's just uh, he 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 did have one pretty darn good game earlier on in the season, but it's just is he just not SEC Graham Mertz? Yeah, basically, basically. I mean, Bo, uh, Bo Nix would would have been great in the Big Twelve, right? Uh, I, I, it, I think I would have been great in the Big 12. I don't oh, think it's hard for a quarterback yes. to come in and be great. I could, have, I could have played cornerback. I can. Pl- I am 31 years old. I'm washed up. I used to be a track star. I'm not. Obviously, I'm. I'm fat now. I could walk onto a roster and have a starting spot as either a safety or a defensive back in the Big 12 immediately. And not only on just like the bad teams, possibly on Oklahoma. <laughs> but. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Auburn's going to get blown out. Um, And then that's going to bring us to our final game where things might get a little spicy. This has been a pretty bananas year of of college football, so you just never know. This is a neutral site game in Jacksonville. It is the number one team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Obviously, everyone's uh, heard of them. Uh, (laughs) And then they are playing... Uh, the University of Florida. I don't see the Gators right now as as being ranked. Uh, so they're probably they just on the cusp. They, they are, are unranked. Un- unranked. They are not ranked. Uh, I got two things to say. Yep. First of all, I believe this game is called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Is that That's right? Correct. Yes. That is an absurd name, and both programs should be ashamed of it. Um, second, this game is going to be closer than people think. I, I think regardless of who we're picking, Florida is going to cover the 14-point spread, uh, if it's not more. Um, 
a buddy of mine who does modeling for sports. He started off with elections and has mastered that. He's now gone to the NFL to model, not to, like, he's not working for the NFL. He's, he's modeling the NFL games. He is crushing that. He's now building a college football model. We're going to have him on the show sometime. He, his model thinks this game's going to be a lot closer than people think, and I'm inclined to agree. I don't think Florida's going to win. I am taking the Georgia Bulldogs. However, rivalry game, neutral site, Anything can happen. And Florida is a good team. Dan Mullen is a decent coach. I I like the Bulldogs, but watch out for them Gators. Yeah, I see this as uh this is probably gonna be a 24-17 game. Um that that's what I because I don't see both teams lighting up the scoreboard. Um because Georgia doesn't frankly have the offense and Florida doesn't you know, they just are not gonna be able to put up too too much against this absurd Georgia defense. But I am going to roll with the dogs until further notice. Again, I have them as my national champions this year, unless something goes catastrophically off the rails. But that's entirely possible down in in Athens, Georgia. Uh, But until I am proven otherwise, I am going to roll with Georgia. However, at plus 14, I would absolutely sprinkle a little bit of money uh, on the Florida Gators if you are betting with that uh, with that spread. Uh, That is going to cover our picks segment of the week and that should bring us into the preview for our next game dylan north carolina um north carolina pretty disappointing season i think we can all agree um north carolina of course last year were phenomenal uh, gave us a great game in 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 chapel hill have not replicated that success um sam howell's been okay um you know, he's, his QBR is in the 70s, um, but he's not the Heisman contender people thought he was. Been disappointing. Georgia Tech's lost to Virginia Tech. Uh, that's fair. Virginia Tech gave us a pretty good game. They then lost to Georgia Tech, which is a little less fair. And then they lost to Florida State, which makes no sense. Um, they have beaten Miami, so they are 4-3. and three. FPI gives Notre Dame, I believe, a 66% chance of winning this game. Um, the line is 3.5. I think that's absurd. I think I think USC is a better team than North Carolina. So I don't know how that line is closer. This is a Notre Dame home game under the lights. Again, there will probably be a lot of recruits. There will probably be another light show, which, by the way, was awesome. I don't so, think that should be an every game thing. I think that should be an every night game thing, like a, yeah. any special game. Uh, you kind of keep, keep the importance of that. I, I don't see this game being particularly close. Uh, UNC has given up a stupid amount of points to a lot of really bad offenses. And while they do have a good offense, it is not what they had last year. They lost two wide receivers. They lost both running backs. Uh, North Carolina is significantly handicapped there. Um, Notre Dame at home with an improved offensive line, with things going, a little bit of a break. Um, I, I don't see this being particularly close. I think this is a 14-point game. Uh, if not more, I could be wrong. What like what am I what am I missing here? Like why is it three and a half? I don't get this. To me, Southern Cal is a better team. I agree with you on that. One thing I wanted to factor into the decision that you're going to be making here, because we're probably going to guess the same score like we usually do every week. Um, they did just barely beat Miami. Miami's not good. They they won 45-42. So you're giving up 42 points to Miami. Yeesh. They gave up 35 points the week before in a loss to Florida State. Not only did they go on the road this week to Notre Dame as a night game, next week they go back home to undefeated number 13 Wake Forest, and then the following week they go travel to Pittsburgh, currently ranked number 17. That's also another night game. That's their next three games, just so you know. Yeah. Uh, they could do damage for us, though. Like if they, if they, If they start winning big games to finish off the year, even though they'd have four losses, they'd possibly be ranked. Um, Correct. So that, like, they, they can help us out, too. So Exactly. So, one, they're not playing great football at all. And, two, they are – we are right – we are the beginning of the gauntlet of their year. Um, and they're already – They're the end of our gauntlet, right? Exactly. We, we've yep. just done the gauntlet. And we did pretty well to only have lost the one. And even then, probably should have beat them. Um, yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry to derail your train of thought here. I'm just – No, it's I'm just good. amped up. Yeah, no, you're exactly 100% correct. Also worth noting, Sam Howell, for for as much as you know he gets, he only has 450 more passing yards than Jack Cohn. 
Uh, and Jack Cohn has been benched on several occasions. And, and again, I don't think that's because Jack is bad. I just think it's, you know, scheme talent and, and you know, other factors there. Uh, so, yeah, so Howell is not playing nearly as good as he should. And Kai Ren, we know his struggles again. And that, that begins with the offensive line, not getting a good push. Kai Ren only has 80 less yards than their leading rusher. <laughs> so when you put, when you factor those things into play, um, they are not the offense they should have been. Their defense is getting blown to smithereens every week. They're already four and three. This is the beginning of an absolute gauntlet part of the season for them. They have basically nothing left to play for. And Notre Dame is at home under the lights. I agree with you. This is at least a 14-point game. I think Notre Dame is is far way, just way, way better this year. Um, any additional thoughts that you have before you're going to be spitting out the vaunted score? Well, I think Freeman's going to run the same kind of defense against North Carolina. I expect them to get a lot of rushing yards. I expect them to get a lot of soft passing yards. I expect them to score. But that's part of the plan. I don't think Notre Dame is wanting to be box-heavy against a spread offense like North Carolina. Um, or at least, I don't know if that's their specific scheme, but a, a pass, a, a, a explosive offense like North Carolina. I think they want to limit those plays. Without Kyle Hamilton, they'll probably play it a little more conservative. Um, so I'm thinking North Carolina is going to score and they are going to move the ball. Um, so my warning is don't freak out, Notre Dame fans. I think that's expected and I think that's kind of the game plan. What I think North Carolina will not stop is the Notre Dame offense. Uh, I think only the Notre Dame offense will stop the Notre Dame offense. I think uh, Kyron Williams is going to have a, a feast. I think uh, Jack Cohn is going to have a great game. And I think T- Tyler Buckner is going to get in there. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Steve, do you got anything else or do you want to just wrap them up with the score? I have none. I'm going to present my score now. Okay. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to win this football game by a grand okay. total of 41 to 20. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I have it 41 to 24. <laughs> it's incredible. And we always set, tend to get one number exact. Like we've never yeah. gotten, I think, the exact score, but we always get one number and then the other one's within the <laughs> three points or something. Well, every time. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Uh, I, I'm with you. We're, we're probably, I, I see early on, um, you're probably going to see Howell put up a touchdown like the, the first drive of the game, and then I think the defense is going to uh, adjust and, and really settle in. And you know this might be like a 14-10 game at halftime. I think the second half, Notre Dame is going to absolutely dominate and just kind of pull away. That's what I'm seeing. I, I just see us as a, the superior team. Also, with the college football playoff rankings coming out next Tuesday, and also with at least – one team losing ahead of you this week between Michigan state and Michigan. Uh, that means where a win automatically moves you into the top 10. Now, how far can you move into that top 10? Um, d- just depends on style points at this point. And I think Notre Dame knows that these players know they have to go out there and just dominate. And, and that's what they're, they're going to be looking to do. So that's my yeah. rationale behind it. Any thoughts on you had, uh, or, or anything before we close out? No, we're cheering for Penn State. We're cheering for probably Michigan State. We're cheering for Wisconsin. We're cheering for Texas Tech today. I think they play Oklahoma. Um, We're cheering for whoever Oregon plays. Um, It's pretty straightforward, guys. Uh, If you don't want to play in a playoff game, you know, I get it, but we're here to win a championship. I I couldn't care less about winning the Fiesta Bowl if there's a chance to win a title. Um, So let's take care of our business, like Steve said, impress the committee. And let's try to find a way back into this thing. Um, I believe in this team. I think this team hasn't even reached half of their potential. I think on paper, they're as good as pretty much any team in the country. And I want to build for next year. And I just want to end on one thing, Steve. I pulled this up at the start of the show. Our 2022 football schedule. Because this is the year we think we might make a, a little a little Ohio noise. State and Clemson. We start at Ohio State. We play Marshall, California, at North Carolina, BYU in Vegas, Stanford, UNLV, Clemson at home, Navy, finish the year at the Coliseum, and then two unscheduled dates, Boston College and at Syracuse. It ain't an easy schedule, but with Clemson looking like Clemson is, that first game of the year could be could be big. Um, so I'm excited. We talk about recruits. We're talking about Notre Dame football. 
not a better time to be alive than right now if you're a fighting Irish fan in the 21st century. That's the asterisk there. Anyone who grew up in the 21st century, this is the best time to be a Notre Dame fan. Exactly correct, buddy. Uh, my last closing note, uh, Kyle Hamilton, I know you're listening. If you need my knee, take my knee. Just DM me any any of my body parts that you need transplanted. I, I consider me just a second body of yours that you can use to get healthy as quickly as possible. Anything you need, it's yours. I love you. Yep, North Carolina is a basketball school as well. Um, and um, that, I'm just trying to channel my inner pee wagon. I'm just trying to think of some random stuff to say. Um, um, oh, he did say, uh, let's see. He said UNC is a paper tiger. Uh, oh, his picks were Wisconsin, Texas. Uh, he His response to Michigan, Michigan State was simply no. <laughs> um, he picked Auburn to win and also Georgia. He said, please add that Michigan has not played a legitimate school all season. So those are all the P-Wagon notes and talking points. Perfect. Um, I think that's it. Unless you got anything else to wrap up on, we'll uh, we'll finish there and uh, and get ready for the big game. So. From all of us here at the Four Horsemen, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, reach out to listener support. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Keep this show going. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Go Irish. Go Irish. <laughs>